Good morning, DC family. Welcome back to the fourth episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. As always, brought to you by DMV Sports Network, your number one source for local, collegiate, and professional sports in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. You can find us on Twitter at DMV underscore SN. That's in all caps. I'm joined today, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Brendan. How are you doing today? Um, I'm good. The Wizards are not playing well, but I'm doing all right. Yeah, so I think the last time we recorded was about 10 or 11 days ago, I want to say. So you could say we've been load managing our way through this podcast schedule. But uh, if Kawhi Leonard can do it, we'll we'll say we can do it. How does that sound? Yeah, whatever works. (laughs) So we last left off, the Wizards were one and. One and three at the time, but it was about the most encouraging one and three start you could probably imagine. Um, but since then, it's been downhill, you could say, regression to the mean. Uh, the Wizards have dropped three out of their last four games and now sit at two and six. We predicted they would go, I believe we said two and one. I said two and one, and you said three and oh, I think, over the last three games against Minnesota, Detroit, and Indiana. Yeah, it's not. It's not what happened. They uh, they lost pretty thoroughly at home to the Timberwolves, one thirty-one to one hundred nine, without Carl Anthony Towns, and they bounced back with a nice win against Detroit. But they dropped consecutive games by double digits to the Pacers on the road, and last Friday to the Cavaliers at home. So I guess we'll start with this, Brendan. From what you've seen after eight games, are the Wizards who you thought they would be? Yeah, um, I, I think it's still it's kind of still a little bit too early to, you know, say they're this type of team or this type of team. I mean, we know that they're not really going to be a defensive team, but I really didn't think that we were expecting the Wizards to be, you know, top half in the league in terms of, you know, defensive rating and all that crap. So, um, I mean, the offense has been fine as expected, but they just can't stop anyone. You know, it's the same thing that we've seen previous years. They're not aggressive enough with guys on the perimeter. Uh, the pick and roll defense is porous, and um, I don't want to say they look lost out there because I don't think that they look lost. I just think that they lack direction and aggressiveness. So um, that's kind of where it stands with me. I mean, if they play defense, I mean, you know, even seventy-five to eighty percent of what's expected. I mean, I think that they come out of the stretch, the rough stretch that they were just in, with some more wins. So. Yeah, I mean, if you take out the first two games where they allowed 85 points to the Thunder and then the season opener, 108 to the Mavericks, they've given up 113 points in every single game since then. So I guess it begs the question, like, do you think the defense is fixable or do you think it's possible that the defense improves going forward? I mean, from my perspective, they're one of the bottom-ranked defenses in the league right now. And since Scott Brooks became, became the head coach, really, they just never have been a very good defensive team. So what do you think the fix is if there is one? Um, Well, I think you have to realize first and foremost that the Wizards don't really have any great defenders on the team. Uh, Troy Brown is probably their best overall defender. And then after that, everyone else's defensive ability is kind of meh. Um, You know, even Bradley Beal, who is the best player on the team, but his defense just, you know, um, hasn't been that great throughout his career, hasn't been that great this year. And then you can say this the same thing with everybody else. Thomas Bryan is just too weak and has pick and roll defense. He just doesn't 
quite know how to handle people coming off screens. Uh, Rui is not quick. Um, Isaiah Thomas, so we know about Isaiah Thomas. Um, Ishmith has actually, I thought, been pretty decent. He's been rather aggressive, so I've been actually rather pleased with Ishmith. But um, it just seems like everyone that's out there has been almost a liability on the defensive side of the ball, and that's not what you want to see. So that's why they're losing. Yeah, you mentioned Thomas Bryant. Uh, from what I've seen, like you said, his his pick and roll defense and like his help defense IQ is still still subpar to an extent. And he definitely is like a classic weight room guy. Like if he gets in the weight room, I mean we've said this before. It's like, over. Yeah, it, it's gonna be a wrap. But he is averaging one point five blocks this season so far, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's up from zero point nine he averaged last year. So do you think that? Do you think that his block increases in blocks is like an ind- indicative of improvement defensively overall, or is it just kind of like not not representary of uh, how good he's been? I mean, now that he has more reps and he's had, um, you know, a full offseason with this team under his belt, I mean, I'm sure it's easier for him to come in more comfortable. And so maybe, you know, he's a little bit better in terms of knowing where he's supposed to be. You know, he knows that, okay, well, I can't step out this far to guard this guy because – if these guys are going to penetrate, then I got to be there. So I think he may be a little bit better in terms of that. But, um, you know, I mean, a lot of the things, though, with the bigs and their defense, a lot of times Scott Brooks just says, you know, F it and switches on every single screen. And that's where you get, for example, um, you know, Aaron Holiday on Thomas Bryant, for example, or um, – you know, Bruce Brown, I think, is the guy that plays for the Pistons on, um, you know, yeah. ISO on Thomas Bryant. I, I mean, that's what you get. And that's coaching. That's not Thomas. That's coaching. You know, you should know that he's not going to be able to handle handle a point guard out there. So, um, progress, but um, I mean, I think he's had an okay overall season. But again, I don't think anyone you can say has had a good defensive season so far except for maybe Troy Brown yeah so as you mentioned you know with the coaching a little bit let's get into that obviously you and I are on paper of or on record I should say is not really being the biggest Scott Brooks fan but it feels like uh throughout the offseason with all the front office changes and everything that uh Ted Leonsis and Tommy Shepard have kind of put their trust in Scott Brooks I guess in a bit like they haven't given any indication that I've seen that they're willing to move on from him it seems like he's kind of part of this retooling era that they're in. But from what you've seen, not even like this year, but just over the past few years and how this season's progressing, do you think that Scott Brooks can get the best out of the this roster at hand? And do you see a, a scenario in which they move on from him sometime maybe before the end of the season, maybe the all-star break, or, or what's the timeline like that looking for you? I mean, I think offensively he's going to have no issue getting the most out of these guys. I mean, we've seen that. Uh, John Wall. You know, um, his offense has improved since Scott Brooks has been here. Bradley Beal has improved. All the young players have improved offensively. Just the problem always with the Wizards has been, you know, can they lock down and um, play defense? And you go back to when he was first brought here, um, you know, in 2016, and, you know, no defense. 2017, no defense. 2018, no defense. It's a continued pattern. And it, some of it has to do with personnel. I'll give him that. But at the same time, you got to be able to get these guys to come together and it least fix one thing and out of all the defensive problems they have they haven't been able to at least fix one of their problems which is worrisome so i didn't think that realistically scott brooks was going to get fired um before this season i thought that they were making 
you know, a lot of changes to, um, you know, already to the organization. And I think one of the last things they wanted to have to do in the midst of all that is get a new head coach. Um, you know, it would have been nice, you know, just to have a really full restart um, and still keep your core players intact and maybe see if another coach can figure it out. But um, I realistically think that, you know, the year to fire him it was going to be during this year or after this year. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the one big problem that uh, has remained during his tenure. Is that the pick-and-roll defense or giving up three-pointers? What were you referring to exactly? Yeah, just that they have an issue with, you know, covering people and getting out there. And a lot of times it's, you know, they're out there, but they're not making guys do anything else. Like, th- this is a league where almost everyone can shoot the basketball now. And you can have, you can, you know, be near them, but you really have to get in their face and force them to do other things. And they're just not aggressive enough with that. And, you know, the pick and roll, as we know, has just been a disaster. You know, guards don't fight through screens or whatever. And then when Scott Brooks is like, okay, well, they're not going to defend it right, so let's switch. Then you have mismatches all over the floor. So it's kind of like he just gives up instead of really getting in these guys' grills and saying, no, you have to do better, at, you know, fighting through screens, or you have to do better at reading the ball handler when he comes off the screen. So it's just been awful, and it's the same stuff. Gortat had problems with it. Now Thomas Bryant's having problems with it. Um, you know, we didn't see enough of Dwight Howard to really get a feel of how he was going to be. Markeith um, Morris had problems with it. Yep, Markeith did. Um, Rui has, I don't think, has been put in too many situations to get a feel for that either. So, um but yeah, I mean, it sucks where they're at right now. So how much of the blame, like percentage-wise, would you say you place on Scott Brooks versus just simply not having the defensive talent necessary to stay in these games? I would say maybe 70-30, or maybe you could get 65-35 out of me. I mean, again, Brooks has never been a good defensive coach. He wasn't a good defensive coach in OKC. He has not been a good defensive coach here. Um and really, when you look at the Wizards' defense, a lot of it is just go do it, and you don't. So that's the concerning thing. Like, if the Wizards were trying their tails off and doing, you know, you know, just showing effort on every little thing, and they were still getting beat, you would probably, you know, assume that these guys are just lost. And then from there, you can either, I guess, still blame it on coaching. You look at the players, like, these guys just aren't trying. And it's been the same thing now for three or four years. So to me, I mean, that's a coaching problem. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time, like I'm trying to think off the top of my head, when's the last time that you saw like actual fire and emotion from Scott Brooks? I really can't think. I'm pretty sure he might have gotten ejected from a game towards the end of last year. But like, can you recall anything on that front? Um, I mean, he was pretty irate. I mean, he gets, he gets pretty upset every game to me. Um, with the referees, and I think it's kind of fake. Like he's just trying to stick up for his guys. I don't think he really cares one way or another. But, yeah, I just um, feel like, like every time they show him on the screen, like he's just got this bemused, like confused look on his face, like every single time. Well, p- part of that is just like coaching. Like it depends on the coach, because some coaches like I don't care. I'm going to show emotion, but some coaches are like, well, you know, I got all these cameras and you know um, stuff on me, so I'm just going to try and keep a you know keep an even face and not show that I'm you know too upset one way or another. Because there's a lot of stuff that goes you know behind the scenes that we have no idea what is said or what is addressed. So you know maybe Scott Brooks to an extent you know has addressed this defense stuff multiple times, and you know they're just not going to fix it. But again, then if no one's going to play for you, then you're the problem. 
you know, yeah, the players are making, you know, X million dollars. You need to show up and do your job. But at the end of the day, there are teams around the league and, you know, their players are showing up and playing for their coaches. So, um, and, and a lot of these guys are young. It's not like these guys are all vets and have attitude and think they have the right to do, you know, whatever. I mean, a lot of these guys are young. If they're still not trying to get it done for you, then, I mean, really, what is that saying? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the Cavs game, that's terrible. Just like, that's uh, just like a showing of maybe like a difference in coaching between the two teams because the Cavs are, one would argue, maybe not a less talented team than the Wizards, but like a comparable team in terms of talent. And their defensive effort and the rotations and closing out was just like way more way more sharp than the Wizards were that game. And I'm a big John Beeline fan, obviously, from Michigan. So, I don't know. So, just circling back to Brooks, let's say that he were to be fired at some point during the season and the Wizards maybe promoted someone from their current staff, like, um, what's his name, Mike Long? Longabardi. Yeah, so if they were to promote him or maybe scoop up someone like Dave Yorger or if the Knicks were to fire... Um, David Fisdale and the Wizards somehow made a play for him. Could you see maybe a defensive turnaround if they were to change coaches and, and bring in one of those guys? Or do you think that the problem just is uh, is too much to overcome? Yeah, I think if they made a switch to a guy like Dave Yeager or um, you know maybe even David Fisdale or just someone defensive-minded, I think the team would be better off. I'm always a fan. I mean, really, in the main two sports that I follow, you know, football and basketball, I'm always a fan of the head coach being defensive-oriented because, um, I mean, that's just how I am of a defense guy. And, and I mean, especially up, up the Wizards basketball that we've seen, you know. Um, I mean, I miss Randy Whitman at this point, to be honest with you. I would take Randy Whitman over Scott Brooks in a heartbeat. So, And it's really? not just because of the defense, but, like, even the offense, like, yeah, the mid-range stuff, you know, not enough threes is kind of concerning. But at this point, like, Wall and Beal are in their careers where they're just going to be like, yeah, you know, well, we're going to do this. And Randy Whitman's not going to be able to do a whole lot. But defensively, I mean, yeah, I mean, Randy Whitman. I miss Randy Whitman, man. I, I thought he should have been fired when he was just because the team had been playing so right. bad. But, um, I mean, at this point, yeah, I'd take him over Scott Brooks. That's crazy to me. Like. The way the way just just hearing that because I was not a huge Randy Whitman fan like like you said I also thought that he should have been fired when he was I was pretty pretty ecstatic not ecstatic but I was happy when he was fired but like would you ever have imagined four or five years or however long it's been that you'd be saying you missed Randy Whitman like that's just weird to think about that no I thought we would have at least made one conference championship by now and um. You know, you can blame it on injuries or whatever, but, you know, they've had chances and they've had the teams to do it and they haven't done it. So, you know, you can blame John Wall all you want. You can blame Bradley Beal. You can blame whoever on the roster. But, uh, you know, Scott Brooks is the one trotting those guys out on the court every night. So I think, like, at the end of the day, it boils down to this. If you look at the the early teams of Scott Brooks' tenure in Washington, the talent level was higher than it is now. But the defensive issues have have sustained and persisted throughout virtually every year he's been here. So at the end of the day, it's personnel and coaching, but in my eyes, it might just be a coaching issue um, when it boils down to it. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully they, they start defending better, but I'm not, not too confident about it, and I'm not too worried about it, honestly. It is what it is. But um, yeah. let's talk a bit about the Wizards' first-round pick, Rui Hachimura. After a 
pretty strong start to the season. Um, Hachimura has kind of been a little inconsistent over the past four to five games. He really struggled against Minnesota. He shot two of 11, and he really struggled against Indiana. Let me see what his shooting was in that game. I don't remember. He shot 0 of 5. So he had eight rebounds that game, but he didn't even score a field goal. But if you look at the two games sandwiched in between that stretch against Detroit and Cleveland, he played really well in those two games. I know he got into some foul trouble against Detroit and only ended up playing like 15 or 16 minutes. But um, have you been more encouraged by what you've seen from Hachimura in terms of him bouncing back from poor games? Or have you been more discouraged by the inconsistency that he's shown recently? I mean, he's a rookie, so it's hard to expect, you know, consistent 19, 20 points every night from him at this point, especially with how up and down the team is. Um, so I would say I'm more encouraged. And I'm looking at his stats now. I just pulled them up on um, uh, basketball reference. This is so funny to me because I tweeted this out before the season. You know, someone asked me, what do you think his stat line will be? And I said around 13 points, five or six rebounds, and an assist. You want to hear his totals? Sure. 13 points, six rebounds, and an assist. Crazy. Uncanny. I mean, that, that's what realistically I would expect from him. You know, those numbers may go up a little bit as the season goes on and he gets more, you know, um, used to the action and all that. But um, I will say I'm more encouraged by his ability on offense because I didn't think that he was already, like, mellow in the mid-range like he's basically if you get him in the mid-range area it's almost a bucket you know he's still got to work on his shot a tremendous ton but his mid-range shot and the way he operates in there and can pick and get his shots it's crazy I mean, it's pretty advanced like if you watch the way he he operates in the mid-range and his array of like post moves and just fadeaways especially in that cleveland game he was just like I don't want to say unstoppable, but he was, like, pretty unstoppable. Like, he shot 10 of 13. He didn't shoot or make any threes, but it was, like, a Kawhi Leonard-like display or, like, a Melo-like display just from the mid-range and operating in the high post area. It's, yeah. like, pretty crazy, like you mentioned. But um, I guess rookies are – I mean, it's, it's unrealistic to expect him to have sustained, like, his pace for the first four games. I'm pretty sure he was averaging, like, 18 points, nine rebounds or whatever. And everyone obviously got excited, but I don't think people should be too discouraged about him being inconsistent because that's what rookies do. But the fact that he was able to bounce back like that after after two poor games, I don't think that – I really can't see him falling into, like, sustained shooting slumps or, like, stretches of three to four games in a row where he just doesn't play well because of his poise, like, for a rookie. Do, do you, can you see him falling into slumps like that? or? I mean, it may happen. Uh, you know, one point again, I mean, it's really hard to tell because, again, they're rookies. You know, it's really hard to tell. So, I mean, maybe he falls into a slump. I would say that depending on whether or not he falls into a slump or not, well, really, I mean, I think he'll go as the team goes. I think, that, you know, the team is playing well. They're getting up and down the floor. I, I think it's highly unlikely that he falls into one of those. But, you know, if they're getting stuck in half-court offense, not getting the ball down the floor, not playing with much energy, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that it's possible. Right, and another thing we should touch on is the Wizard, or Scott Brooks, I guess, made a few changes to the starting lineup over the past few games. The first yeah. was inserting Isaiah Thomas at the point guard spot in place of Ish Smith, who moved to the bench. And the second was putting Troy Brown Jr. as the starting small forward. 
I believe that was only for the Cleveland game. Is that right? Or did he start against Indiana too? Um, no, he started against Indiana. He started for a couple or a few games now. So. Right. So I guess starting with Isaiah Thomas, what have you seen from him as a starter? And looking back, do you think Brooks made the right move? I have my thoughts on this, but I'll, I'll let you go first. Um, I mean, he's been an okay scorer. He's been a pretty decent shooter, I would say. Defensively, just not a fan. And, um, you know, no, I, I don't think that he should have been inserted into the starting lineup. Um, I remember saying before the season and even in the offseason when we signed him that it was hard for me not to see him as the starting point guard. Um, and, you know, I wanted him to be the starting point guard. I would like Ish Smith to go back as a starting point guard at this point just to balance out the units. Um, the ball stops when Isaiah's out there. The ball moves much better when Ish is in there, and you need someone in there that'll get Bradley Beal going. And, um, yeah, it's kind of where I'm at with him. I mean, and, and the offense hasn't really been a problem with or without Isaiah. So what I was saying on Twitter the other day, I mean, at some point, I mean, I'm not saying tomorrow, but, you know, maybe a look moving him to a contender, you know, at the deadline. Or um, I'm not even against playing Justin Robinson at some point, to be honest with you. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I don't. I didn't think Isaiah Thomas necessarily should have been starting at all. And when he got moved in the starting lineup, Against Detroit, it was like, all right, well, I mean, they're not going to be really that good anyways, so why not just have fun with it? But, like, in a three-game sample size with him as a starter, you can see that his his numbers and shooting percentages pretty much across the board all all dropped. I don't want to say significantly, but they all dropped, especially his shooting percentages. And to me, it's like, obviously, in when he was in Boston, he was, like, tremendous. Like, as a starting point guard, he was he was insanely good. But, but they had defensive talent. That's right. the difference. And they had better. They had really good coaching. And but if you just look like throughout his career, he's always, with the exception of his Boston years, he's always been a backup six-man type point guard. You know, with an offense like as an offensive spark plug off the bench. And at this point, where he is and where this team is, I feel like that's the role that best suits him. Yeah. And then again, I mean, down the line, if the if the defense continues to be an issue and, you know, he's still only putting up like, you know, maybe 10 or 11 points. I mean, those 10 or 11 points, I think the Wizards can live without. I mean, I would rather just play someone who's going to try and get guys involved, someone who's going to want to run the break. And I think that, um, you know, Justin Robinson is a guy that I'd be, you know, not opposed to seeing getting the rotation eventually. So and I know again, and I also said before the season and this still stands that Isaiah Thomas didn't sign a veteran minimum deal to come to the Wizards to come off the bench or to not play. So I think that you're going to continue um, seeing him as a starter until, um, you know, maybe Tommy or Ted is like, dude, what are you doing? You know, like, yeah. put I think it's really bad. This. Yeah. So um, that's unfortunate because I really think that the Wizards would get off to better starts if Ishmith was in there and, you know, I mean, and the chemistry with Isaiah Thomas, and particularly Mo Wagner, was pretty good. So, um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing that some more. Yeah, I felt like when he was off the bench, like you said, with Mo Wagner and with everyone else, like I just felt like the bench really gave them a spark. If you look, I don't know where they've ranked now, but through the first like four or five games of the season, their bench, the Wizards' bench, was within the top five of bench scoring, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. like, I'm not a huge Ish Smith fan, but I do agree that I, I feel like when, he, when he's in as the starter, obviously 
him and IT, neither one you're expecting much of, like from the defensive end. But I feel like Smith at least maybe is a more competent defender because he's just when Isaiah's out there, like we love the guy, but he's he brings nothing to the table defensively. And teams pick on him. Like you can just tell when he's out there, it's an easy it's an easy matchup for whoever he's on, pretty much. Yeah, I, I definitely think that if I was Brooks right now, I would put him back to the bench. Like, you know, dude, you can still get a bulk of the minutes, but we need Ish in these certain situations to get these guys going and, you know, get some momentum and run up and down the floor a little bit. And Isaiah is definitely more of a half-court scorer. You know, um, we'll beat you off the dribble and all that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, but I, I still think Isaiah is going to be the starter for now. So... I'm going to pitch you an idea here, and you tell me what your thoughts are, all right? All right. I've, I've been on this train here for a while, dating back to, like, the end of last season. All I right. think the Wizards' best five-man lineup is going to end up being, or is, with Troy Brown Jr. at the point guard spot, next to Bradley Beal in the backcourt. And then you have, I guess, C.J. Miles, or maybe even Davis Bertans, in the front court with Rui and Thomas Bryant. Do you think that Troy Brown Jr. at point guard is an experiment that Brooks should try, and do you think it would be effective? I mean, I think he should try it, but Troy Brown has actually been um, pretty decent as a wing this year so far, so I'm not sure if I would take him out of that. And um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we all said, you know, he's definitely more of a point guard. He needs the ball in his hands, but Troy has really become a good shooter, you know, relatively speaking. Yeah, a lot better where he was last year. And that was going to be one of the differences with me if I think he should play point or play wing. Because if you play a wing and you're just kind of, you know, I don't, I'm not saying this is the typical, like, wing thing. I'm saying a lot of times wings are out there basically to just catch and shoot and, you know, um, after creation from a main ball handler. And so my thing with Troy Brown was, okay, well, if he's not going to be able to shoot, then he needs to be the one with the ball in his hands. But since his shooting has improved so much, at least from what we've seen so far this season, he can kind of be both. So, you know, um, I'm not sure I'd necessarily put him at point, but if it came down to it, you know, you don't want to play Ish, you know, and you don't want to play IT, yeah, I mean, sure, play Brown at point. Give you some size at the position too, certainly some defense. He'll still move the ball, high IQ player. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. I just wouldn't start him at point guard um, just because – I think Ishmith has been really good this year so far, but yeah, and maybe like yeah. if you don't start that lineup, but I would definitely, I think Brooks should definitely experiment with that lineup during games or maybe to finish games. Like, why not? You know, it, it's worth a shot. To me, the biggest appeal to that lineup would be on the defensive end, which what we've talked about having Brown, who is who you said is probably the best teams, the team's best perimeter defender, and it's like it's either him or Beal or Isaac Bongo. So basically, it is Troy Brown. Um, yeah, having him on the wing with with Beal and then say CJ Miles, I feel like that's a much better defensive trio on the perimeter, or at least more length and more flexibility. I mean, do, do you see it from that from that angle as well? Yeah, I agree. So I guess I was more in tune with this idea. I'd say at the beginning of the year, before I saw how Ishmith played this season, because. I was not really opposed to just not having Ishmith in the rotation. And then you have Brown starting at the one with IT as the backup. But like you said, I think Ish has played too well to just not give him playing time. So I guess moving forward, if IT is still going to be starting, I guess Ish off the bench is fine. But 
I could definitely see them flip flopping that that uh that combination or I guess at the very least Brooks has flexibility, but I'm not really sure if he's gonna tinker with the lineups all that much. But uh I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Um so just moving forward, after eight games, if you had to sign some player grades, I know we're not really always all that big on, you know, grading players, especially after eight games, but just go down the list here. I'll name a player and then we'll both give a uh a grade so far for the performance. So I guess we'll start with um with Bradley Beal. What grade would you would you give him? Um, I think he's put up some pretty good numbers offensively. Early in the season, he did struggle to find a shot. At times, he was forcing it, and his defense has still been kind of eh. So I'll give him a B plus. So he's actually only. I just saw this. I know he wasn't shooting well from three, but he's shooting twenty nine percent from three. On nine and a half attempts, which is a lot lower than I actually realized. Um, do you think that, I mean, obviously that's kind of fluky if you look at just his career. Do you think that his shooting percentages, specifically like from long distance, and then he's actually only shooting 40% from the field, do you envision that, that rising back up um, as yeah. the season goes on? Yeah, I think that'll come up a little bit. Yeah, I think I'd probably give him like, what did you say, B plus or B? B plus. Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably give him a B plus or a B two. I do feel like he still presses at times a little bit, but at the end of the day, he is the definitively best player on this team, and he's still putting up good numbers across the board. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm not I'm not too worried about uh about Beal so far. And then um, neither am I. The second leading scorer on the team is Thomas Bryant. I know we've talked about him a little. What grade would you uh, give him overall for the season? Um. This is tough. This is a tough one. Uh, I either want to say B or B plus. Just be, I think his defense still has been not great, and he gets bullied inside too often. And some of that is coaching. Like if you know that you have a weak, a weaker center inside, that you got to be able to have defensive schemes that'll kind of mask that. So um, I'm sure in a different system, it would be handled a little bit differently. But um, you know, at times he's forced it a little bit too much offensively. The, the stuff I overlook is like at the end of the shot clock when none of the guards are coming to get the ball or anything. But sometimes the shots he takes are just kind of like, dude, what are you doing? And even though he said some three-pointers, it still hasn't, you know, been where I thought it would be so far this year. And again, shooting is really hard to, you know, grade. Because it's like, shooting is like something that you can't control. It's like, you know, it's either you're not, it's either you're not or it's not. Yeah, it's fluky. But, um... Based on because he has had a decent amount of double doubles, I'll give him a B plus. He's his three point attempts. He's taking two point nine per game this year so far, which is up from one point four last year. But his percentage Good. is down from thirty three point three percent to right around twenty six percent. He takes good shots. He needs to be more confident in his decision making when he gets the ball. He can shoot him, but sometimes he hesitates. So. Yeah, I don't feel like his three point attempts are like bad shots necessarily they're not Luigi out of the flow of the offense it's Luigi like a pick or pop or he just he just steps out to the top of the key or the corner but um yeah I'd probably his mid-range lean... has been pretty money yeah he's his mid-range is good um and that's valuable especially when you're playing against uh rim protecting bigs yeah I would probably give him just like a solid b I mean maybe a b plus like we like you said but um another thing you have to look at is the level of competition he's played like the Wizards have played some tough Tough centers on their schedule. I mean, Clint Capella, Andre Drummond, uh, Tristan Thompson played pretty well the other night. And then they played Sabonis, too. 
um, against Indiana last Wednesday. But yeah, I think yeah. a B is, is pretty fair for him. Um, yeah. And moving down the line, what grade would you give Rui Hachimura so far? Um, I mean, I guess in terms of production, what we've seen maybe from around him, the same. I'd probably go B, B plus. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, I don't know. Maybe B plus, maybe A minus. Uh, I'll go with A minus just because I think that he's a lot farther along than I thought he'd be. But he still needs to work on a ton of stuff. But I've been in- impressed nonetheless. You know, so I'm um, de- definitely encouraged. Nothing to get disappointed or upset about. I mean, you know, guys are going to have off games and you know not be as involved some nights. So, um, but yeah, I'll give him an A minus. Okay, uh, a B or or B plus range is probably fair for uh, for Rui as well. I don't think. Not sure where expectations were for everyone, but uh, based on how he's performed thus far, um, as is the case with Beal and Brian, I think somewhere in the B to B plus range is pretty fair. Uh, moving down the line, what grade would you give to our boy IT, who we've talked about already? Um, <clears throat> I will say that his offense overall is probably a little bit better than I thought it would be, just given you know he's coming off the injuries and um, all that stuff, but defensively I mean again he's just been really bad and he's got me wondering at this point if it's better with playing you know another um point guard at this point so I'm going to give him a C plus that's interesting I uh, it's this is tough for me because I don't think my expectations for IT were really short surly based on what I had seen the past year year and a half two years like since Boston and he was just been really I know he had injuries and everything, but like he had been really bad. I mean, it's not I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but he's just was not good. Like wasn't good for the Cavs, not good for the Lakers, didn't play for the Nuggets, but I've been I guess pleasantly surprised with uh with how he's performed so far in DC. Like you said, I mean uh, expectations on the defensive side were non existent for most people, at least for me. But offensively, he, he's been better or as good as I think anyone probably could have hoped, at least scoring the ball. He's also second on the team in assists at 6.2, which which is pretty good considering he's only playing like 22 minutes a game. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably give him a B-. minus. I think uh, C-plus is fair, but I'd probably lean maybe on the B-minus side. Um, fair enough. So I guess we'll just go down the line. Is there anyone on the roster you would give – Higher than a B plus. Like, would you give anyone so far an A or A minus? Um, Troy Brown. I guess maybe you could give an A minus so far, just even though he's had limited time and all that. But um, yeah, he's been solid, man. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's it though. I mean, what about Wagner? Uh, Wagner's yeah. been good, but Wagner's too inconsistent for me so far. Like, he's he's got to keep sometimes his emotions under control and just play the damn game because. Sometimes he just gets lost out yeah. there. Man, I love Wagner though. Like I really yeah, I do. Know. Um, what's What's funny about him is that like I watched him for three years or whatever at Michigan, and I watched him in in the G League last year in the summer league because like I've always been a big Wagner fan, and he's like a lot better. I don't say a lot, but he's significantly better like defensively right now than I've seen through the past three or four years. Like the dude just gets out there. And competes like he tries his ass off on defense, which you got to respect. He is averaging one point three blocks, which is uh, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. Both our centers averaging um, damn near a block and a half a game. Pretty good. 
Yeah, um, so I guess really the commonalities from what we've seen through eight games is everyone on the Wizards roster has just been, I guess, as good or maybe a little better than we expected. I mean, do you think that's fair to say? I don't think anyone's really fell short of expectations. No, I don't think anyone's short of expectations. I think everyone has played relatively pretty well. It's just together defensively. um, They haven't looked too sharp, so that's why these guys are going to get lower grades. Yeah, I mean, I guess Bertans, you could give an A minus. Oh, that's true. We never, uh, we didn't talk about him. Um, his yeah. shooting has kind of fallen off a little bit. Like he's as still we taking, expected. He's still taking a lot of threes, but like he really has not been making them at a at a high clip like he was the first few games. But like I'm still, I'm still confident in him. Like if I want anyone shooting a three on this roster, it's probably him. Like I think that's fair yeah. to say, right? Yeah, definitely. He's the best spot up shooter on the team. And he's still averaging about like twelve points, and he's got a solid player efficiency rating. So um, yeah. he's been a pleasant surprise. But uh, I guess moving forward, the Wizards are going on a road stretch now for the next three games before heading back home for three more games. Let's uh, let's briefly touch on these next three games, and of course, give our uh, record predictions. <clears throat> so Wednesday or today, I guess, by the time this podcast comes out. The Wizards are playing in TD Garden against Boston at 7.30. The Celtics are, I don't want to say surprisingly, but they've been like really good this year. They did just lose Gordon Hayward to a uh, broken hand, which is unfortunate for uh, for that guy. He's been playing really well this year. But they're still, I want to say, what, 7-1 and one right now? Is that, am I getting that right? Or... Um, they've lost a game or two. I don't, I, they might've lost two to be yeah, honest. Yeah. So they lost the first game of the season. And since then they have won, looks like eight, seven or eight games in a row. So, oh, so they've only lost one. Yeah. So they lost to the Sixers, oh. um, opening night. And I know their last game against the Mavericks, they won despite Jason Tatum shooting one of 18 <clears throat> from the field. Good which is, God. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. When I saw that, I thought it was like a joke or something, but, um, so how do you see this game playing out? Um, do you think there's any chance the Wizards could pull off an upset here in uh, IT's return to Boston or one of his many returns to Boston? I mean, there's a chance, and it wouldn't surprise me because I think the Wizards are one of those teams that if they can get some misses or if they can just get you know, a decent amount of stops, I think that they can you know, run any team on any given night. Um, but no, nah, I don't think that they win that game. Yeah. I don't think so either. Um, maybe. I mean, it'd be cool if they pulled off an upset, but if they lost to the the Cavs and the Pacers <clears throat> and Timberwolves, it's hard to expect them to, to go out there and beat the Celtics, especially in Boston. Um, well, again, it's like, you know, in an NBA season, you're going to lose games that you're supposed to or that true. you're not supposed to, and you're going to win games that you're not supposed to. So maybe this is one of the ones where the Wizards come back and get a win because they've had some disappointing losses, so maybe this the game where things kind of balance out and maybe they get on track a little bit. And also working in their favor is rest because they haven't played since last Friday against the yeah, Cavs. They've so had a bye week. Yeah, they, it's basically a bye week. Like in just like we say in the NFL, you know, any given Sunday, like like you just said, it's any given day in the NBA. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Um, and Friday night they're getting the rematch against the Timberwolves. It's this time it's in Minnesota. You know, we touched on how the Timberwolves actually pretty much handed the Wizards like a blowout loss. I mean, I didn't get to watch the whole game, but from what yeah. I saw in the final score indicates a blowout. Like, you, you saw the whole game, or I think, or at least most of it. Was it close at all in any way? No. No. 
All right, so yeah, uh, that's all that needs to be said, really. So they're getting a rematch here early in the season in Minnesota, still without Carl Anthony Towns. The Timberwolves are. Um, what are your thoughts on how this game is going to play out? I didn't think that the Minnesota Timberwolves were going to be able to play as well as they have so far, but they have some really big Wizards killers on their team like Robert Covington, and so for that reason alone, I can't take Wizards to win the game. So I'm looking at the, the Timberwolves um, stat sheet right now. Did you know that Andrew Wiggins is scoring 25.5 points per game this year with a player efficiency rating of 21.1? I'm not trying to crap on the stat or whatever, but I don't care about player efficiency rating. But um, <laughs> yeah, I knew that he was averaging what he was averaging. So, And he's shooting 47% from the field. That's I did not realize he was doing that well this year. But um, Yeah, he's been balling, man. For sure. Hey, good for him. You know, maybe maybe this is the year he puts it all together. Uh, so far, it looks that way, but we'll see. Um, Troy Brown better not – if he's on the floor – if they're on the floor at the same time, Scott Brooks better not have anyone else on Andrew Wiggins but Troy Brown. I will be furious if Beal's out there on him because Beal can't guard him either. Yeah, Wiggins has a, a bit of a size and length advantage over Beal for sure. Um, yeah. So then the last game of this road trip is in Orlando, a Sunday game at 6 o'clock. Um, it, says the ticket, it says the tickets are going for $8. So if, any, <laughs> if anyone's in Orlando that's listening this weekend or anyone for some reason has the desire to go see that game, you know, tickets are cheap. So uh, go right on ahead. But um, the Magic have been okay this year from what I've seen. They're... They're decent. Their Ross, their record is they only have three wins and they have two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven losses. So maybe not quite as good as they were last year so far when they made the playoffs. But they're still a talented team, I guess. Pretty well coached. They've got a lot of length and size, uh, both on the perimeter and around the baskets. Markel Fultz, um, baby. That's true. Markel Fultz is their starting point guard now. Um, he's been solid this year. He started five out of ten games, but I'm pretty sure the five games he started have been the past five games because they made the point guard switch from DJ Augustine to Fultz. Um, he's averaging about ten points a game. Um, I think out of any game over this three-game stretch, if the Wizards were going to win, I think this is probably their most likely win. Would, would you say that as well? Yeah, I don't think that they go and lose three games in a row. I mean, unless they're playing powerhouses, it's going to be hard for me to put the Wizards at um, oh, and three in any stretch of games, and they've already lost some that they, you know, I kind of figured that they would win. So I'm going to go ahead and give them a win here. Um, and we've also fared well against Orlando in the past, but it's not going to surprise me if the Magic come out there and win this game. But um, yeah, I'll take the Wizards on that one, but not very confident in it. Yeah, so I think it sounds like we both have them going one and two over the next three games. Is that fair? You think? Yep, sounds about right. Yeah, so that would bring their record to three and eight. So that's probably about where uh, it sounds about right. Um, so you want to touch on seeing some stuff around the NBA real quick, some stuff that's going on. Um, I haven't really been keeping up with it off the top of my head, but maybe if you bring up some stuff, um, right. I'll remember it. So yeah, go ahead and fire some stuff off. So I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, kind of in a joking way, but I want to get your thoughts on the whole load management thing with Kawhi Leonard, which has just been dominating the headlines for the past week or so. What uh, what do you think about, about all that stuff? I mean, it's really hard to 
have an opinion like that because like I understand both sides. I, I'm that type of guy too. Like in any scenario, almost I'm able to see both sides. So it's kind of hard for me to pick one way or another. Cause like it, the player and the coach, like it's their team. They have the right to do whatever they want to do with their team. But then there's the other side of it. Like, you know, I mean, if you're healthy and you want to play why not go out there and help your team, you know, give them a chance even more to win the game, even if they're favorited. So um, I'm not sure I lean one way or another on it. I mean, I guess if you had a gun to my head, I would say that you should play if you're able to. So, Do you think he's actually hurt, like like the Clippers no. have said? No. You, you don't think so? No. I mean, I'm a Kawhi Leonard fan, like a pretty big Kawhi Leonard fan, and I like the Clippers and everything. I mean, I get the whole – I guess one of the big arguments against the whole load management thing is that the fans buy tickets to see these players play. And it's really only Kawhi Leonard right now. Like, I don't think there's load management problem with anyone else. Um, so the big thing was he sat out the Bucks game, and everyone was saying, oh, well, you know, these fans bought tickets to see Giannis and Kawhi go up against each other. And everyone was mad that he wasn't playing. Um which I guess I get I get that argument. It's it's hard to relate to it very much because you know you and I are obviously not buying Clipper tickets or buying tickets to go see Kawhi Leonard play. But at the end of the day, like it's a player's league, it's a superstar's league, and people can be as mad as they want. But the Clippers are going to keep doing this with Kawhi with his schedule, and they're going to make the playoffs, and he's going to play every game in the playoffs unless they're hurt. So. I guess at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter all that much. But, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all on the load management. Um, yeah. The um, Another thing is the Warriors, which we have not talked about, oh, are man. just a totally different team than we've been accustomed to seeing. They, are, they lost Steph Curry to a fractured hand. He says he'll be back sometime in the spring, but if I was a betting man, I'd say he doesn't play for the rest of this season. Um, obviously, Clay Thompson's hurt, and Draymond Green suffered some sort of injury, I think, so he's been out of the lineup for a little bit. Are you buying that the Warriors dynasty is over, or do you think that they'll make another run when they get everyone back into the lineup uh, probably next year? I wouldn't rule them out once they get Clay back and Draymond and everyone right. I'm not ruling them out. You can't. So, so with their lineup that they've been starting, um, it's D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Poole, Glenn Robinson, and I want to say, I know Eric Pascal has been starting for them, and I want to say Willie Cauley-Stein. Do you think mm-hmm. that, on paper, that's the worst starting five in the NBA right now? It's up there. I'd have to go look at some of the other teams. So um, I- I'll tell you, what, I'll look at this and then we'll revisit that one the next time we record because I got to go look at the other teams and stuff. I haven't really been paying attention to any other team but the Wizards so far. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I don't want to wiz- say something I'm not aware of. So. A true Wizards fan um, through and through. Um, That's right. Another thing is Giannis Antetokounmpo, the reigning MVP, has been on an absolute tear so far. I want to say over the past five or six games, he scored 30 points and grabbed 12 or more rebounds in each game. Are you buying Giannis as the front runner to win MVP for the second consecutive season? I mean, it's between him and Harden right now, right? I mean, if you had to pick two. Yeah, I mean, it's early in the season, obviously, so this is premature speculation. But, like, 
Man. If you were a betting man right now, would you say Giannis is probably going to be the most likely person to win again? <sighs> to me, it's like he's the only superstar or like premier star without another co-star on his team. And I think that works in his yeah. favor, especially because Chris Middleton is supposed to miss like the next three or four weeks with an injury. So I think I think Giannis can definitely repeat. It's not done often, but if anyone yeah. was going to do it, I think it's him. And let's not rule out LeBron either, because LeBron's been killing it. So uh, maybe actually even say LeBron. Yeah, you could say LeBron. And Luca, um, Luca, man. Luca is a is a dark horse to win MVP. That dude is putting up insane numbers. Yep. You can't rule him out either. So that's probably the four right now, right? You would think is uh Luca, LeBron, Giannis, and Harden. At least that's how I'm viewing it. Yeah, man. Um and real quick, did you hear about the uh, the whole Dion Waiters thing? Um, where he Edibles, man. Or you heard about that? Yeah, man. That's just that wouldn't happen to any other player, but Dion Waiters. <laughs> like, that's just that's that's the Dion Waiters experience right there. Like, that's it, brother. And then he'll come out and give you twenty on ISOs the next night. Yep, he'll hit a game winner or something like a miraculous game winner, and then he'll just have a panic attack because he ate a gummy or whatever on the plane. So yeah. that's that's pretty crazy. When I heard that, like I just laughed, but I really was not surprised. Um, nope, can't be. But yeah, I guess that's it. I mean, uh, the Wizards are two and six. When we record our next pod, it'll probably be after the three game stretch stretch that we they'll went over. Probably so. two and nine. Yep, <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, anything you want to hit on or plug before we head out? Um, no, nah, I'm good, dude. Where can uh where can the listeners follow you on Twitter as always? Threes is Christ. If you're not following me, I don't know who you're following, but it's not me, and that's not a good thing to do. Yep, go go, go follow my man's. Um, I actually changed my Twitter username uh, for the first time in a long time, which is well long overdue. Uh, you can God. follow me at Frank JP. The JP is all is uh, both uppercase and the number zero afterwards. And be sure to follow our podcast account at WGOP, sorry, W-O-G-P, in all caps, underscore podcast. Uh, we release all our podcasts on that account, and we retweet it with the DMV Sports Network account. So be sure to check us out there. And uh, I think that's it, man. Um, yep. So uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. See ya. Ha <laughs> ha.